This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Regardless whoever wins the White House, we are facing serious geopolitical and economic challenges that could lead to the next great financial crisis. You need a recognized safe haven asset for your portfolio and IRA, and that asset is gold. Call Goldline and add physical gold to your portfolio or IRA at 800-913-GOLD. Goldline, been helping people diversify their portfolio with gold for over 55 years. Rated A-plus by the BDP. Read Goldline's important risk information, but do it now, because crazy times are coming 800-913-GOLD 800-913-GOLD hello america and welcome to the glenn beck program well let's see a muslim woman is going to post nude in playboy what could possibly go wrong there? <laughs> you know, um, Washington, state of Washington, is now going uh, after pre-crime, which is great. There's the new stealth bomber that is out. Deutsche Bank um, is uh, sliding into the abyss, which means Germany may be sliding into the abyss, which means the euro may be sliding into the abyss, which means the U.S. dollar may be sliding into the abyss. But I don't want to talk to you about any of those things. I want to talk to you... um, I want to talk to you about Benjamin Franklin and an American Indian chief. And what is uniquely American that this Indian chief knew that the Romans did not. We begin there right now. of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Benjamin Franklin was trying to figure out how do we pull this off? How do we beat um, England, the most powerful nation on the earth? Remember, this is a country that, that the, 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 the sun never set on. Its empire was so spread out, its empire was always in the daylight. How are we going to beat that? We are a bunch of farmers. And an Indian chief was there with him, and he, he took an arrow, and he handed it to Ben Franklin. Let me hand this pencil to Stu. Break the pencil. He said, they're easy to break. One by one. But if we gather them all together. Yeah, no, you've, you shouldn't be able to do it. Well, let's see what you got. I don't have enough in there if I can. Yeah, you can't break them, right? No. Yeah, can't break them. I mean, I, wanted, I wish I was. Rec- okay. I was, I was hoping for like a really powerful moment yeah, where I show my like, muscles off. But yeah, no. no. Not do it. Okay, so you can't, you can't break them. And this is just with uh, 12 pencils. Can't break 12 pencils. 12 pencils. Uh, 
Okay. If you imagine this as just rods, and you have two bands at the top, this group of pencils, and you have a band at the top and a band at the bottom, have you ever seen that symbol before? Mm -hmm. What is it called? Fasces. Okay? It's the Roman fasces symbol. It's where we get fascism. You gather enough people together, you can't break them. So this was a Roman idea, but the Native American chief didn't know that. But here's, here's the difference between fasces and e pluribus unum. E pluribus unum, from many, one. Fascism requires you all to be the same. It goes back to uh, the Tower of Babel. Let us make bricks and we'll build a tower to the sky. What politician tells his people, hey, everybody, you're going to be so excited about my new plan. We're all going to make bricks. You don't start that way. You start with, let me tell you what we're going to do. We're going to build a tower that will reach the sky. Not let's make bricks. This, he was not speaking of bricks. The scriptures talks, talk about bricks and stones. Stones are individuals. When you are forced to make bricks, what happened with the Pharaoh? He was taking people and all making them slaves. Making them all uniform, making them exactly the same. You made a brick in that mold, and that's who you were. Nothing else. We're not going to make anything out of stones anymore. The Lord builds things out of stones. We are all unique. We are all different. And it may take some extra time, but when you cobble that together, there's nothing more beautiful than a stone fence. Much, much more beautiful than a brick fence, a brick uh, uh, house. A stone, a, fe- a natural field stone house is beautiful because it's a work of art. It took time to put it all together. Fascists, they make everybody the same. The Indian chief knew is, you guys are rallying around a principle. And if you can get everybody around that principle... And what is that principle? What is the idea of America? Because right now we're not fighting for the idea of America. I don't know anybody who's even talking about it. We're even talking about the Constitution. But the Constitution is not the idea of America. We've been too technical. We've gotten bogged down in the, in the, the founders and the Constitution and everything else. And I know that sounds crazy coming from me. Bogged down in the Constitution? Yes. Because what is the Constitution? The Constitution is only a fence around the idea. How do we... We have this idea. How do we build a government around that idea that the only job of the government is to protect that idea? We've been rallying for the Constitution. Why? We should rally around the idea. Because that idea is pretty gone. It's pretty gone. When you say people don't understand personal responsibility, 
What, is, what are you saying? The idea of America is over because without personal responsibility, there, there, there's no chance. Our, 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 our faith has failed us. Well, the idea of America is self-reliance and self-governance. And all of our founders said, without a religious and or moral people, this system won't work. They're saying the Constitution won't work. Because the people no longer want the idea. They no longer want to be that person. So my question to you, not to all of America, to you, is do you even know what that idea is anymore? And are you really willing to live that idea? There is such growing hate right now. And we're making everybody into bricks. I'm really disappointed in Ted Cruz. No, let me rephrase that. I'm disappointed in me. Why, did I, why would I make this about him? Now, part of it is, I want to believe that, that George Washington can exist. I want to see it from somebody. I want to see somebody that is willing to stand and lose everything. Because it gives me hope. It gives me hope that I can do it. Well, if he can do it, I can do it. Somebody who's just unwavering. But that's what I'm looking for. And I'm not a politician. I don't say that in a pejorative way. Politicians go to compromise. You have to compromise. Our system was built on compromise. And so you get to a point to where you're like, okay, I'm going to compromise here or here. Where am I going to compromise? And if anybody is against that, what do you think the majority of Trump supporters are doing? They're compromising. They're saying, I know I don't want this in Hillary Clinton. I know I have my values. I know he's not that, but I'm going to compromise. And the only difference between us is the level of compromise that you're comfortable with. And we're not all bricks. We're stones. And we're meant to be stones. So you're not my enemy. He's not my enemy. I have no reason to be angry with you. And to be honest, you don't have any reason to be angry with me. We're stones. We see things differently. And our levels of compromise are different. That's it. That's it. We both love the country. I think there are Hillary Clinton. Lots and lots and lots. The vast majority of Hillary Clinton supporters love our country. I think Hillary Clinton does. She just has a different view of what our country is. And why is that? Because while we argue the Constitution, we're we're arguing over the security system. Imagine if you spent generations arguing over the security system for a house and you paid no attention to what was in the house, you don't even know anymore why that security system was even put in in the first place. Nobody's even talked about the the treasure. The treasure is probably gone. 
If the family hasn't looked and known what that security was on for, they might have sold it. They might have given it away. They might be using it as an ashtray or a footstool. You don't know because nobody has said, what the hell are we even protecting? The treasure could be gone. And we're arguing over the security system if that. We're now arguing over which one should be in charge of selecting the security system and neither one of them have even talked about the security system, let alone the treasure. They're just saying, I'm not moving from this address. They want you to move your house into another zip code. No, sir, we're not. What difference does that make? Because it's not about the stuff. It's not about the location. And this is another controversial thing to say. But all these, all these lefties, they always say the same thing. Donald Trump gets elected. George Bush gets elected. If John McCain gets elected. If, uh, if, uh, if uh, uh, Bob Dole gets elected. If Ronald Reagan gets elected. I'm, go ahead, fill in the blank, everybody. I'm going to leave the country. I'm, I'm going to move to Canada. Canada. Okay. Well, okay. We'll go. None of those racists ever say they're moving to Mexico. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm going to move to Canada. Oh, okay. You're going to move to Canada. All right. I'm not threatening I'm going to move to Canada if these guys are elected. I mean, first of all, Canada is not going to protect you from anything. Um, second of all, uh, let me spin this around. I'm not going to move from here because of something, hopefully. I'm going to move towards something. If, if India all of a sudden had the idea, the original idea of America and said, look at our constitution. Now, I'd have to give it 25 years to see if it was stable. But if all of a sudden they had the idea of America and we were like, holy cow, look at, look at, they're, they're kind to each other. They understand moral sentiments and the invisible hand of the market. They understand both parts of Adam Smith. They're good, they're charitable, they're standing on principle, and it's an entrepreneurial place where you can go chart your own course. There is no caste system, no overseer that's going to keep you down if it was truly the spirit of the idea of america i would move there in a heartbeat because i'm not betraying my country my country is an idea everybody else's country is a space my country is an idea I want to continue this conversation, um, um, but first let me tell you about our sponsor this half hour. It's, it's Blinds.com. Blinds.com is um, a great service that will help you with blind shades, shutters, drapes, pr- pretty much anything for your, uh, for your windows. And um, everybody has had a great experience with them. Pat has done – did you do blinds, Pat? Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, Stu did shutters. Yeah. On, you were going to do blinds, right? Yeah, initially, and then they, I looked at the shutters, and they're just amazing. Yeah, actually, the shutters are the ones that... The wooden the, shutters. Yeah, that's what I have. Oh, okay. 
Wow. So I, did, I didn't are. do bra. <laughs> wow. I did shutters. <laughs> this is how connected this the is how of the household <laughs> are. Yeah. You wow. can see that I'm the one who picked it all out. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm the one who insisted on right. shutters. Right. <laughs> Damn wow. it, I won't settle for anything but shutters. Right. But you actually walk into those rooms every day, mm. right? Well, yes. 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 And you've actually used them. I mean, Incredibly observant, right? And so and I know what I'm using, right? And he and how he described it. I wish you were here. This is you could see this. Well, you can if you were watching us. But he described shutters as those are the things that. And he just put his hand up like he's grabbing that center bar. <laughs> that's a thing that you. Yes, that's a shutter. <laughs> so you must have been fun to work with. Oh, I was. Yeah, okay. I always am. Yeah. So anyway, actually, you probably are because you're like I don't. I don't care. know. I don't care. Yes. That usually that always pisses my wife off when I say, I don't care, honey. Whatever. I'm with you. Oh, that's great. Well, you must have some opinion. Yeah, yeah just give it to you. That's great. I like that. Well, you don't want to see anything else? Well, no, I mean, I will. I mean, you have something else to see. You just don't care. Ah! <laughs> uh, anyway, blinds.com. You'll receive site-wide 20% discount right now through September 30th when you use the promo code BECK. Go to Blinds.com, use the promo code BECK for your 20% discount now through September 30th. Blinds.com, promo code BECK. See Blinds.com for details. Blinds.com, promo code BECK. The Glenn Beck Program. Regardless of whoever wins the White House, we are facing serious geopolitical and economic challenges that could lead to the next great financial crisis. You need a recognized safe haven asset for your portfolio and IRA, and that asset is gold. Call Goldline and add physical gold to your portfolio or IRA at 800-913-GOLD. Goldline, been helping people diversify their portfolio with gold for over 55 years. Rated A-plus by the BDP. Read Goldline's important risk information, but do it now, because crazy times are coming 800-913 gold 800-913 gold triple eight seven two seven back this is the glenn beck program i would like it too i get a nap welcome to the uh welcome to the program I want to talk to you um, uh, about coming together, and I don't think we can. Um, well, I think we can, but I don't think it's. Uh, I, I don't think anybody really wants to come together right now, um, uh, and I'm willing to, um, as long as we are not forced to be bricks. Um, I, I don't. I don't want you to be a brick. I want you to do your own homework, as always, and I want you to come to your own conclusion. And I have been saying for months that a lot of people won't understand my conclusion because, A, I'm a catastrophist. You know that if you've ever listened to this program. (laughs) Are you finally admitting that? Yeah, I've admitted that for a while. Um, (laughs) I'm a catastrophist. I I look at the worst possible scenario. And I do it through the lens of history. I, have, I can make great points. And I could, I, could, um, I could beat you in a debate, if it's an honest debate, based on the facts of history, that it could happen. 
Not that it is. Yeah. And so on where we're headed. Right. And so my job is to warn and ring warning bells based on what I believe and what I see and what I know from history and what I've known from doing my own research on today's events. Um, that's my job. That's my job. And I do my job. But I've always said, don't believe me. Do your own homework. And when it comes to an election, I do not want you to uh, – I don't want you to vote the, the way I'm voting. I want you to vote your conscience. And if your conscience tells you to vote for Donald Trump, do it. If your conscience tells you to vote for Gary Johnson, do it. We've said that from the beginning. Hillary Clinton, do it. Mm -hmm. It's up to you. But I would ask that before you would vote for Hillary Clinton, you would look at her record. And you would look at who she really is and what she's really saying. But I would ask you to do the same thing with Donald Trump and, and Stein and McMullen and everybody else. I would say to you, you must vote. You must vote. Even if you write in a name, you must vote. You must participate in this um, grand experiment called the American experiment. You must do it. But you don't have to do it my way. And I don't accept people telling me that I have to do it their way. Or that you just need to shut up. No, I'm not going to shut you up. That's not the American idea. I want to talk to you about your your human muscle that is being exercised or atrophying right now. The Glenn Beck Program. If you listen to the uh, theme song of our our show uh, that was uh, uh, written uh, by uh, David Osman, a friend of mine, and I I wrote to him and I said, David, I'm looking and here's here's what I'm trying to convey. And so he took some of those words and then expanded it into brilliance um, uh, and produced our theme song. and And here is the theme song, the lyrics. I know we don't see everything in the same way. I want you to listen to these words. I know we don't see things. I know we don't see everything in the same way. But I know we won't really be free if we don't stay united. Because divided, we're going to fall for anything. And you know that's true. Some say there's no way that your way will ever be okay. They say the best days are behind us, so rewind, and you'll find the times when the best men defended every friend, every neighbor, and every countryman. But now, there's no way, there's nowhere to actually speak your mind, but I will.
I'll make a stand. I'll raise my voice. I'll hold your hand. Because we are one. Now, we're not one against something here. We're not even one, if you look at those lyrics, we're not even one on policies. I know we don't see everything in the same way. But I'm going to stand for your right to be different. I'm going to stand for your right to speak your mind and exercise your freedoms. Because that's the principle. Freedom. Individual, not collective. Individual freedom. The opportunity to be who you are. And I know we don't see everything the same way. There are those who say, but if you don't do it this way, then we will lose that. I understand that as much as I understand George Bush saying we have to uh, destroy the free market system to save the free market system. No, that doesn't work. We have to rally around the times when the best men defended every friend, every neighbor, and every countryman. Times may change, the song says, but truth remains. We won't be silenced. We won't be changed. Because injustice anywhere threatens justice everywhere. So if it's injustice on our side, it's just as threatening as injustice on the other side. I want you to ask yourself this question that I've, I've said for years. Who will you be remembered as? Our children are watching us right now. Who will you be remembered as? And there are things that you do compromise on. And perhaps you're right. Perhaps we should compromise and accept Donald Trump. I don't think so. But perhaps in the end, you are right. So there are compromises to make. But there are not compromises to make on how we treat each other. I want to say clearly, I am not the man that I hope to be. I'm not the man I want to be. But I am the man that is better today than I was yesterday. I know I'm not the man I used to be. When I went over to Poland, and I'm only telling you this not to change your mind, but to try to get to a point to where we can understand each other. I'm looking at a much longer time horizon. I'm looking at who we are 
I'm not looking at our finance. I am, but I, I'm not concerned about our financial markets because our financial markets are going to crash. Everything that we have built doesn't work. We have violated the basic mathematical principles. We have, basic, we have violated the basic eternal principles in, on almost every front. So everything is going to crash. I am looking at us on the other side of that crash. How do we rebuild it? And the only way we rebuild it is by being leaders ourselves. Because if you honestly believe that either either of these two or any of the five are true leaders, uh, we're probably too far apart to understand each other at all. I don't believe they're the leaders that will bring us back together in harmony and build something that even resembles the spirit of the American experiment and the Constitution. So we must be those leaders. Each of us, you, you were born at this time. I have said forever, there's going to come a time the world will be confused and you have to say, don't go that way. We're in those days now, and they're only going to get more intense. When I went to Poland, I met, and I've told you this a million times, I met a woman named Paulina. She was one of the righteous among the nations. She was 16 years old. A Jew came up to her on the street, a young girl, and said, please, I'm starving. Please, can you feed us? Do you have any food? It was an automatic execution in the streets if you gave a Jew any food. They were only allowed to have 800 calories a day. If you fed a Jew anything, immediate execution of you and your entire family. 16-year-old girl says, meet me here tomorrow and I'll try to bring you some food. She goes home. She's having dinner with her mom and dad. She said to me at 92 years old, she said, I'll never forget I sat down for dinner and I said, Mom and Dad, I have something to tell you. A Jewish girl came up to me in the streets and asked me for food. Everybody put their forks down. She said, I told her I would bring her some tomorrow. She said her mother and father looked up, away from her, and just looked at each other. Now, in retrospect, she knows that they were thinking... Are we going to die for this? Are you willing to die without speaking to one another? The father looked back down at the table and mom got up. She brought out her biggest pot, started filling it with water. She said, Paulina said, mom, did you hear me? She said, yes, I did. But she's not going to come home or she's not going to come tomorrow alone. She'll bring friends. I need to be I need to make a lot of food. And mom went immediately to make food. Now she and her parents have trees planted in their names at Yad Vashem. She's one of the righteous among the nations. And I said to her, and I've told this story a million times, Paulina, how do I water that tree of righteousness in myself, in my family, and in others? Everybody has that seed. She looked at me as if I were an alien from outer space, like you don't get it yet. And she said, Glenn, never forget. 
The righteous didn't suddenly become righteous. They just refused to go over the cliff with the rest of humanity. That seems like it's not very hard. For instance, I'm walking down the street today and a young girl says to me, I'm starving. Please, do you have any food? Do any of us here hesitate? None of us. That's not a hard principle. That's that's the easiest thing ever. Because that is an eternal human principle. But there comes a time, and history repeats itself in every civilization, where the basic human principles, the the basic, basic humanity begins to be lost. And how is it lost? It's never lost with the concentration camps. That's not the first. It's not like it's a great society, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, and there were gassing people? No. It starts with demonizing one another. It starts with blaming one another. It starts with drawing hard lines in the sand. It then goes into not seeing people as individuals anymore, but groups. When Hillary Clinton said in the debate, you know, um, something along the lines of you lack basic compassion or something like that, and I see people, and I thought to myself, really, Hillary, do you know who I am? Or am I a cartoon figure to you? I would like to get to know you. I don't ever believe I will agree with your principles. And I think you are a corrupt individual based on your record. But I don't have crimes in my history. Do you know me? Because I'm sure I'm a boogeyman in her life. But I'm not the man she thinks. And I'm probably not the man you think I am. I hope that it is that I'm a better man than you think I am, but I don't know. You start to not see people as people. You start to see them as policies. You start to see them and demonize them as groups. And there have been times in the past where I have started to go down that road. And we have been very careful to correct it and very careful, as you hopefully may have noticed, most probably haven't, to say, you're not my enemy if you vote differently than I do. I'm trying to exercise the muscle of basic humanity because if we can't do it over an election if we can't do it over the policies that we think will destroy our country, what happens when our lives and our very existence is threatened? When it is your family doesn't eat, your family doesn't work, your family goes to a camp or is executed, you don't have a prayer of having any humanity in you, if you can't do it with, I think this person is going to fundamentally transform America. Because this is still theoretical. When we get to the part where 
someone else is eating and you're not. That's not theoretical. It's a muscle. Humanity is a muscle. And we are not exercising it. So I guess one of the things I want to say to you, and you don't have to go on this journey with me. <laughs> you don't. It's, a fr- it's currently a free country. And everybody's role is important. Whatever role it is you're supposed to play, as, as long as you are really truly fulfilling that, and it is leading people to goodness and not to hatred, then who can argue with you? But what I'm trying to do is to make sure that if I can stand when it's easier to stand, but tough, I will have enough muscle to be able to stand when it really gets tough. You have to stand for principles that are eternal and basic humanity now when it's relatively easy. And now this. There is something that um, I have not seen before, and I will tell you that my family is taking advantage of this, and I think Pat's family, and we are, we're pretty well covered in, in food supply, but I have never seen a deal like this. One year, emergency food, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, drinks, snacks, all of it, one entire year for one person for $997. It's an incredible deal. That is, I mean, I've, a year's worth of food for $1,000? Are you kidding me? Savings of 800 or $900. Yeah, it's... About half price. It's nuts. I mean, Jeffy spends that in two meals. <laughs> and you're getting an Seriously, entire year. I, I will tell you that if, if you, have, um, you have money to be able to do this, this is the best investment you'll make. $997 right now, one year of food. Go to preparewithglenn.com, preparewithglenn.com, 800-946-2325, preparewithglenn.com. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. Glenn Beck Program. Oh, hello, America. I'm so glad that you are. Um, I'm so glad that you are here. I, um, I I want to talk to you in a couple of weeks when my attorneys say that I can to talk to you about uh, some things that uh, that is a new, interesting wrinkle. Uh, for anyone who wants to speak out um, against Islamicism, that I am noticing a trend, and uh, it's a it's a trend that was foretold uh, by the Blaze when we did our our root special on the project. That information is coming soon. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury.
So you're drafting your fantasy team, and you know you, you, you go a little bit out on a limb, and you say you think the Houston Texans defense. Oh, it's a fantasy this year. It's a fantasy you know, team. You go for it, and you're going to go out on a limb, and then a couple of weeks into the Warren season, no, Warren Moon is not the quarterback, <laughs> and that's not the franchise anymore. Thank you for your input. And he was this time. Uh, but you know who uh, also isn't playing for the team? War- first, Warren Moon. Secondly, now J.J. Watt out for like, oh. possibly the season. I thought what? he was in injury. No. Yeah. I thought he was in Congress. Uh, no. Oh my gosh. Person. The point here is that injuries can ruin your season-long fantasy season. They cannot ruin your FanDuel season because FanDuel you're drafting every single week. So when you get destroyed by one of these big injuries, uh, you just draft a new team the next week, and you can go on to win. Try FanDuel now. You can get up to fifty dollars in free entries. New users get, who deposit will get five free entries to NFL Fifty Fifty Beginner Contest valued at up to fifty bucks. Just got to finish in the top half of the league. Get one free entry a week for five weeks. Go to FanDuel.com, click the Join Now button, and use my code Stu. FanDuel.com, promo code Stu. Void we're prohibited. Our second installment of our serial on gun control debuts this hour. About a half hour. What, what I try to look into in today's segment is, do the gun control laws in the UK and Australia really work? Holy cow, is that, that... Oh, do we have an answer, have an for, answer that? for that? And it's, it's not even close. Nobody's been killed since the gun ban. Really, that's—I I think that's what we find, right? There's oh, not I, a single death. It's in a little Australia different. Or Great Britain. It's a little different than that. Uh, really? Yeah, a little bit. But so I might be surprised. You might be, mm. you know. But if you can keep holding on to that, if you'd like to, for the next <laughs> 25 minutes. All right, or so. I will. I want to. Uh, next uh, on uh, gun control. Also, uh, we hope to talk to uh, Jesse Winton. He is a director of a new documentary, Target, exposing gun control agenda. The reason why I have him on is he's got this this documentary that is coming out. Uh, and the reason why I wanted to have him on is he's 22 years old. And everybody is so down on the millennials and we're never going to make it. They don't get it. Yeah, yeah, they do. You just don't see any of them. Why, why do you think the press and the media and movies and everybody else is going to highlight these millennials who do get it when they don't highlight anything you've been doing. They want to keep these millennials under wrap. This guy, Jesse Winton, new filmmaker, uh, and made a film about the Second Amendment. We want to talk with him, and we begin right now. of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Holy cow. Uh, we have to, look, can we start at the conspiracy theory of the day? Of course. Have you seen the conspiracy theory about um, Hillary Clinton's robotic anti, or her cough suppressor, her robotic <laughs> yeah. Cough suppressor. So I, I haven't seen that. Isn't it her, just her microphone? Yeah, it's her <laughs> microphone. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a, yeah, um, yes. it, a hidden device 
a hidden device on the back of uh, Hillary Clinton's clothing. And it was an instrument that sends impulses to the brain to alleviate symptoms of Parkinson's disease. You'll never guess who came up with this one. <laughs> um, I like to call it a battery pack. <laughs> <laughs> or the microphone that she's wearing. Right. Plain, well, that's plain. what it is. A, a battery pack and transmitter for the microphone, which you can see there's the battery pack. And then you can see underneath her like sweater thing is the microphone cable going up. And if you look at the picture of her standing the other direction, uh, which I don't think I have, you see that her microphone is right there. Right, which we are all aware of. <laughs> and it, and where? Well, show me your battery pack. Oh, it's, uh, it's right here. Right there. There's your battery pack. I just have it here's, right here. Yeah. Here's my battery pack. But if you're on television, it's always in the back. Because and they want you, normally don't want you to see it, but right. you know. And if you're wearing a dress with women, it is usually underneath their dress, and they look like they have a big, huge bump right, right at the center of their back where they're, like the, they clip it on the bra. Usually, is that the way they do uh, it? The, uh, underneath, yeah. So they clip it on the bra, so it looks like they have this big square box. That's why you never see Megyn Kelly from the back. All women on television have Parkinson's disease, <laughs> and that little device. Helps them control it. Well, it's weird. Well, it's not Parkinson's only, Pat. It's, oh, what else is it's there? It's a cough suppressor. Okay. I mean, if you're going to hide it, what a perfect place that is. Uh-huh. Is there uh-huh. such a thing? Does such a device exist? Yes. Okay. I mean, you would think Michael J. Fox would have that at all times, right? So now, yeah. Yes, yes. And he would be fine. Yeah. 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 Why take medicine? Right. Why not just have the Parkinson's the little device that device. helps you suppress it. Right. I mean, and I wear that all the time if I had it. And if anything, I'm wearing it now. <laughs> if anything <laughs> proves uh, that Hillary is not sick, it's, of course, her incredibly lengthy testimony in front of right. numerous uh, c- corruption investigations, which is essentially her excuse. Oh, yeah, you don't think I have stamina? Well, I sat in front of an investigation for 11 hours and answered questions about how corrupt I am. So that proves you're wrong. And she, uh, she that's not her. making a point you want to make, Hillary. Yeah. She well, coughed her pretty, brains out multiple times good, on that, though. if you remember that. She coughed her brains out several times. Yeah, she did. <clears throat> did her actual good brains point. come out? Her brains came out. Wow. Yeah. It was ugly. Yeah. Wow. Correct me if I'm wrong. I, I thought that was an amazing moment of the debate that for some <clears throat> reason Trump missed. She, her excuse for saying how oh, yeah, healthy she great. was was to say she gets berated through lengthy questioning and testimony in front of Congress. That's not something you want to brag about. I was in front of Congress because people think I'm really corrupt and I had to answer questions for 11 hours. They couldn't get me out of there in an hour because I'm well, so corrupt they kept me 11 times that amount. Of time. Hang on just a second. His excuse um, on knowing how to run the country is because uh, he's a good businessman. And to prove that, he's gone bankrupt, what, four or seven times? Four times. And that's just, mm-hmm. that's just him knowing the laws and knowing how to use it. That's good business. Knows all so his, his, his um, defense of being a good businessman is, I go bankrupt. I know how to do it. Oh, and I don't pay taxes. Right. Because I'm super smart. I mean, both of them were using these defenses that were like, what? It's sort of a bizarre missed opportunity, though. I mean, it seems like it happened a lot in the debate. Like the, it sure did. Yeah, what was the other thing we, we caught, we like, noticed about Hillary? Well, well she said, I like this one. She's, oh, yeah. Uh, first of all, she said in the debate, this is a quote. Um, 
because uh, she's going through this litany of things that Trump had said that is bad about women. One, he said, uh, oh, Donald, Donald Trump said that women don't deserve equal pay unless they do as good a job as men. Uh, yeah. yeah. See, got missed because Trump yeah. Yeah. was yeah. If they don't do as good a job, they probably shouldn't make the same amount of money. That's legit. That's exactly. And, but I think but that when they if, do as good a job, they should. Right. And if men don't do a good a job as a woman would do, then we probably shouldn't have the pay the, the man the same that the woman is making. Exactly. That right. is an exact quote. Women don't deserve equal pay unless they do as good a job as men. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. I can, is anyone standing up against that? Yes. And in the same sort of litany, she said something to the effect of, uh, you know, Donald Trump called pregnancy an inconvenience for a business. Now, Trump's and? response to that was... Uh, I never said that. Of course he did say it. So, uh, you know, typical, like a horrible response. However, what if he were to go down the road of, look, we can be honest here. Uh, so it is an inconvenience for a business to lose some of its most valuable workers for an extended amount of time. And that's what he said. I mean, that's what he originally said. Right. I mean, the point here, I... though, is that who cares? We've decided and I've decided that it's more important. Human life is more important than how it affects a business. We believe uh, in in people who come, and and this would be awesome if you were to go down this road. But it's like I'm not going to sit here and be lectured uh, about the value of pregnancy from a person who worships at the altar of Margaret Sanger. Mm -hmm. I mean, what a ridiculous thing to bring up. Yet, what he's I didn't say that was his response. (laughs) Well, here's the other here's the other thing, and it goes kind of in this where. She's asking you to deny reality. He can't defend. He, he's, he's, he's worthless and incapable of defending principles. Incapable. Yeah. That would have been a great answer. Great answer. Um, but he's incapable of doing it. Let me give you... Um, oh, shoot. Now I just lost it. Uh, there was another one that uh, she brought up. You're going to have... Go to something else, because I can't remember now. It'll come to me as soon as I stop talking. <laughs> you know why? Because that Parkinson's device you're wearing is screwing with your brain. That's why. It is. Not- <coughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Gone. Hey, right. He's turned it off. He's turned oh, it off. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> there was something else that she said. That oh, oh, I remember what it was. They are so disconnected. They're asking you to... To deny reality. And if he would have said that, it would have been great. Look, are you kidding me? I think even a woman would say, having a baby is a pretty big inconvenience in my life. Yeah. yeah. Being pregnant for, for nine months is a pretty big inconvenience. So let's not argue about inconvenience. Look at what you're trying to do, Hillary. You're trying to take something and have us deny the very reality that we know is true. You have done that with Al-Qaeda and ISIS, denying the reality, denying the reality of people who are bombing things here in the United States, blowing us up, going into Fort Hood and shooting people. Has nothing to do with Islam. This is one of the problems. Here's another one, Hillary, that you just said. I just said one of the bravest and most true statements that has been uttered by an American politician on the plight of the African-American in inner cities that has been spoken since 
possibly Booker T. Washington. And that is this. The African-American that is living in places like Chicago, where their kids and their relatives are being shot in the street, are living in hell. And you (laughs) responded with, oh, but you forget about all the great, wonderful churches. Yes, and I've also left out that I'm sure there's a few Cold Stone creameries Mm. in Chicago as well. I'm sure I've left out there's some other really great things that happen. But it's also a living hell. And for you to ask the American people, not forget the American people, for you to ask African Americans to deny the reality that they're living in some sort of hell, and quite honestly, Hillary, one you would never allow your children to live in. Never. You would never move in. Well, I'm sorry. You moved into Harlem because you have presidential security. Well, they, and Harlem she isn't. Didn't. Yeah, she didn't. You and moved Harlem his office there, right? And Harlem isn't the inner city of Philadelphia or the inner city oh, of Chicago. It's actually pretty nice. At this yes, point. it's Many very nice. Of it are very nice. Yes. Yeah. So she just that was that was the craziest thing is both of them were asking us to deny reality i've never seen it like this before i've never seen it this obvious before had he responded with with those uh in that way for uh, he would destroy her destroy her she'd be absolutely destroyed this thing would be over it'd be a runaway let me let me take a uh let me take a quick break and then i'm going to come back with uh, jesse winton he is um uh, the author uh, or a, a director of a new movie called Targeted. It's about gun control. And then we get into our serial on gun control, part two of our series uh, on gun control in just a second. First, let me stop and tell you about our sponsor here for a second. It's LifeLock. Yeah, was it Yahoo that had the breach of 500 million? Yeah. Just, but yeah. just half a billion. Don't worry about it. Just half a billion email addresses. No big deal. Um, that includes... Your username, your password, your phone number, your birth date, your email. It wasn't everybody in the world. It was just 5% of everybody in the world. Oh, well, that's oh, actually 5% is so, you know, no big deal. Uh, it's no big deal. I mean, actually, it's a little more than 5 probably about 8%. Well, I mean, you... I mean, but still, I mean, it's not even 20%. Right. Right. So, so only 8% of every person living in the, the In the world. Yeah. But other than that, nothing to worry about. If you're a LifeLock member, you don't have as much to worry about. Now, nobody can stop all identity theft, and that's why I say you don't have as much to worry about. LifeLock is um, the best in the world at covering this. And if you think you're covered by free credit monitoring, think again. Free credit monitoring only detects credit problems, and then they don't do anything but alert you. LifeLock helps detect and then fix identity problems. Somebody who is using your credit with a credit problem and using your identity. Now, nobody can prevent all identity theft, monitor all transactions at all businesses, but they are the best, and it is LifeLock. Right now, you get a special 15% discount. Do you have a, you have you, um, uh, Yahoo Mail by any chance? Because that would include you, then. Right now, special 15% discount. Call or visit LifeLock.com. Use promo code BEC15. That's BEC15. That way you get the uh, 15% discount 
Offer ends October 30th, 800-440-4936, 1-800-440-4936, or lifelock.com. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. All right, we have our um, serial part two on gun control coming up in just a second, just at the uh, bottom of the hour. Uh, But we have Jesse Winton on. He's made a new documentary, new movie called uh, Target, Exposing the Gun Control Agenda. Wanted to have him on because a lot of people think, oh, millennials, they don't, you know, they're not doing it. Here's a guy who's 22 years old making a documentary on the Second Amendment. Jesse, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Uh, good. Did, did yeah. you did you study filmmaking or where? How are you? How did you get into this? I actually am am by and large self taught. Um, really, just kind of developed a passion for film when I was young, um, and started you know thinking about ideas for documentaries. Produced a documentary with uh, with my dad and brother when I was about fifteen, sixteen years old, mm-hmm. um, and then was looking for another project. Um, and the idea for a, a project on gun control came up and targeted is the result. Okay, are you a gun owner? Are you, are you a shooter? I mean... Yeah, it, it's actually interesting. Um, I'm, I am a gun owner, um, but I am not what would probably be typically considered a gun person mm-hmm. in that I don't particularly enjoy shooting as a sport. Um, you know, I do shoot every once in a while, but I, I have guns as tools, so for me, this this idea and the um, the motivation to make this project was less about guns in and of themselves, and more about the problems that I was seeing with our government and where we're going and the the type of of um, borderline tyrannical government that we are dealing with today, and and the continual violation of the Constitution and civil liberties. And this just happened to be one of the foundational issues that was regularly discussed and regularly brought up. So the motivation for the film for me is less about the guns themselves and more about the ideas of freedom that we're trying to hold up through the project. Um, Tell me, you wrote an op-ed in the Washington Times. Again, 22-year-old Jesse Winton, um, the um, uh, filmmaker of Targeted, the movie, targetedthemovie.com. Um, you wrote an op-ed last week. You said, uh, why millennials are skeptical of gun control. Do you want to get into that? Yeah. Um, you know, I think that it goes hand-in-hand hand with um, what I'm seeing with, with uh, people in my own age group, with millennials. I'm seeing a, a split right down the middle um, that is pushing millennials either incredibly libertarian or incredibly more socialistic, more, you know, the Bernie Sanders supporters were, yeah, a lot of right. them were millennial college students. Um, so I think that, that what we're seeing is um, a trend that is pushing millennials more and more towards civil liberty, more and more towards understanding freedom and really caring about freedom, again, because I think a, a more libertarian ideal that is, is being um, promulgated by millennials. Um, so... To me, um, I think that millennials are, are really 
you know, I, I don't see a ton of millennials that are really gun people. I think more millennials would fall into the same category as myself. They see them as being a necessary part of the society that we live in today. But the skepticism towards gun control from millennials, I think, is more related to how passionate a lot of millennials are becoming about civil liberties. And we've seen um, in the past couple of years with Edward Snowden and, and uh, you know, the NSA, how important surveillance is to millennials, that they really are caring about the Constitution, they're caring about their freedom, and they're caring about this continual government overreach. And so that translates into uh, skepticism related to gun control. This is great. So, so um, how do you see... Jesse, because I see both parties. I have only one minute. I see both parties falling apart in the future for, for millennials, if it hasn't already. Where do, you see, where, where do you see the future of, let's just nail it to gun control? What's going to happen? You know, I think that um, a lot of that will, will, you know, change in November. A lot of that we'll be able to see what happens after the election and, and kind of have an idea of where we're headed. But by and large, I still have a lot of hope for America. I still think that we have... Um, this foundational, uh, these foundational ideas of freedom that we are that aren't going anywhere. People really understand at the core who we are as Americans, what we stand for, and so I think that, that it's going to be a tough uphill battle for anyone that wants to take that away. Okay, one night only movie event theaters nationwide tomorrow night. You can find out where it's showing at targetedthemovie.com. Targetedthemovie.com. Well spoken, well thought out. Millennial support him. Support the uh, millennials who are standing up for the fence around the American idea, the Constitution. Targetedthemovie.com. The Glenn Beck Program. Sign up for the newsletter and get all the info you need to know at glenbeck.com. I've also asked the school board to make a part of every day some kind of anti-violence, anti-gun message. We need to do this every day of the week and just really brainwash people into thinking about guns in a vastly different way. After every mass shooting in America, progressive leaders seem to say the same things over and over again. We know that other countries, in response to one mass shooting, have been able to craft laws that almost eliminate mass shootings. Friends of ours, allies of ours, Great Britain, Australia, countries like ours. So we know there are ways to prevent it. The Australian government, as part of trying to clamp down on the availability of automatic weapons, offered uh, a good price for buying hundreds of thousands of guns. They believed, and I think the evidence uh, supports them, that by offering to buy back those guns, they were able to, you know, curtail the 
supply and to set a different standard for gun purchases uh, in the future. First of all, the Australian government didn't offer anything. It was a mandatory program. In other words, if you didn't turn your guns in, you went to jail. Yes, they paid the owners, but what is a good price for one's freedom? Australian gun owners had no choice but to sell their guns back that they had rightfully purchased. The law took nearly 661,000 guns out of the hands of law-abiding Aussies. Hillary further explained her thoughts on the Australian gun buyback. Communities have done that in our country. Several communities have done gun buyback programs. But I think it would be worth considering doing it on the national level if that could be uh, arranged. There were tiny differences between the local buybacks in the United States and what Australia did. Mainly, those done here in America were voluntary. Australians, again, had no choice. I can't say it any other way than that. I felt sick. Um, I had to hand them in because if I didn't, I was going to jail. There's, there's no ifs or buts about that. By taking that gun away from me, um, they've stolen something from me. Since the United States has something called, um, oh yeah, the Constitution, voluntarily giving up one's guns is the only way it can constitutionally happen here. Unless, again, the anti-gun advocates violate or change the Constitution. And each time Obama and others have called for these kinds of measures here, they have been accused by defenders of the Second Amendment of wanting to confiscate America's guns. Contrary to the claims of what some gun rights proponents have suggested, this hasn't been the first step in some slippery slope to mass confiscation. Contrary to claims of some presidential candidates apparently before this meeting, this is not a plot to uh, take away everybody's guns. Then maybe, just maybe, it might be prudent to stop talking about two countries friendly to us that solved their gun issues by confiscating citizens' guns and imposing gun bans. It's also important to look at just how solved the gun problems in the UK and Australia are. A reminder of Barack Obama's claims. We know that other countries, in response to one mass shooting, have been able to craft laws that almost eliminate mass shootings. Friends of ours, allies of ours, Great Britain, Australia, countries like ours. So we know there are ways to prevent it. So have they crafted laws that have almost eliminated mass shootings? John Lott, economist, author, professor, and fellow at various universities, including the University of Chicago, Yale, Stanford, Rice, and Wharton, and Second Amendment advocate on how effective confiscations and gun bans are in places like Australia and Europe. If you listen to uh, Barack Obama or uh, Hillary Clinton, they want to go and argue that the United States is unique in terms of mass public shootings, and that's simply not the case. Now, it's true that the media in the United States doesn't cover uh, these mass public shootings in other countries, but if you take the FBI definition of a mass public shooting, which is, has traditionally been four or more people killed 
in a public place, not involving something like a gang fight that's going on. Uh, you, in fact, find that during the first seven years of uh, President Obama's administration, there were 25 mass public shootings in the United States, and there were 25 mass public sh shootings in the European Union. Um, if you uh, look at the rate that people were killed per million people, uh, it was virtually the same in both the European Union and in the United States. And in fact, the rate of injury for mass public shootings in the European Union was almost twice what it was, actually more than twice what it was in the United States. But what about the off-mentioned Australia? The NRA reported on a University of Melbourne study that took place 12 years after the ban was imposed, a British Journal of Criminology study, and spoke with Australians affected by the confiscation. A right stolen by their government, promising safety in return for its gun bans. But now citizens know the frightening truth. The cost of lost liberty can be measured in the loss of life. It's become very, very obvious, even to Blind Freddy, that uh, the expenditure of half a billion dollars has done absolutely nothing to reduce crime. And it certainly didn't do what the government touted it would do, which was to reduce crime. It hasn't done that at all. In fact, there's been more. This has been a lot of bull and hasn't really done much to uh, help society and with its problems. Cold, hard facts. The anti-gun forces can no longer escape. Armed robberies have skyrocketed, up 69%. Assaults involving guns rose 28%. Gun murders increased 19%. And a new phenomenon? Home invasions jumped 21%. An increase politicians insist they can't explain because they're still trying to legally define what a home invasion is and what the penalty should be. John Lott shared even more staggering statistics that the American media just doesn't seem interested in. If you look at all the casualties, these are killings and woundings from mass public shootings in the United States during the first seven years of President Obama's administration. Uh, what you find is that there were 396 casualties. Uh, in the war on guns, I list down every case. In France, in 2015 alone, they had 532 casualties from mass public shootings. So France, a country whose population is one-fifth the size of the United States, had significantly more casualties from mass public shootings in one year than the United States had over seven years. And when terror shootings are included? From 1970 until now... Uh, there's only been one of the 25 worst mass public shootings in the world that occurred in the United States, and that was the recent Orlando shooting. Uh, all the other ones, all 24 other ones occurred in other countries. And one of the interesting things is that 23 of the worst 25 mass public shootings have been done by Muslims. In an atmosphere where the low gun crime rates of all of these gun banned countries are used as a battering ram every time there's a tragedy in our country, it's illuminating to hear the actual facts about them. A lot of people will say, we'll just pick one or two countries and they'll say, look, the UK has strict gun control laws and they have a low homicide rate, have low gun ownership rates compared to the United States, so it must be strict gun ownership. Well, the response, I think, the proper response to that is to point out that before they had, let's say, the handgun ban in 1997, 
The U.K. had even lower homicide rates relative to the United States. It's true, it's still lower than the United States, but that's despite the gun control laws rather than because of the one. The gun control laws have consistently raised the homicide rates in countries that have banned guns. One of the chapters I have in the War on Guns shows that every country in the world that's banned either all guns or all handguns has seen an increase in murder rates and homicide rates after the ban. Uh, You'd think just out of randomness, you'd find one country where um, uh, the homicide rates went down after the ban. Uh, But in fact, the opposite's true, and it's dramatically true that when uh, countries ban guns, uh, you'll see, you know, six, seven, eight-fold increases sometimes in uh, homicide rates. And the reason, according to Lott, is just what so many gun owners have repeatedly claimed. When you ban guns, or this is true for lots of gun regulations, it's the most law-abiding good citizens who obey the regulations, not the criminals. And to the extent that you disarm law-abiding citizens relative to criminals, you actually make it easier for those criminals who still have guns to commit crime. And you see increases in murder rates and other violent crimes. The problem America has is that the emotion seems to rule the day, especially after a tragedy. But we are a nation getting more and more emotional on all sides. We take a look at how progressives use that emotion to overcome the Second Amendment on the next episode. Glenn Beck. This is the Glenn Beck Program. It's amazing, and uh, we have a story coming up about um, uh, Washington is is going after pre-crime. Uh, gun confiscation proposed for those likely to commit violence in the future. Something wow. has to be done. Good. Holy cow. <laughs> Something has to be done for our safety. <laughs> yeah, well, it, you know what? And this is that common, kind of common sense legislation. That yeah. is. Common yeah. sense legislation. You, you won't believe what puts you into that category. Well, is it better to put somebody in jail afterwards or stop them before they kill? Right. Stop them right. before they kill, right? right. I mean, we'd all say that. That's we common sense. just do a genetic test and see who's already predisposed and just eliminate those people from our society. Perhaps abort them before they're born. Well, I don't know about that. But if they are born, we can gas them. Couldn't we? Yes. Yes. Oh, no. just, test the, just test that fluid before they're born. What a waste of time to have the brain. Right? Yeah, because yeah, then you're right. spending all kinds of societal thing. resources on sterilize on people. Hate that. Why don't we sterilize people that would have unfit children? You know, defectives. Thank you, Margaret. You are Thank a genius. You. Thank you. That that was a Margaret Sanger. I huh? completely forgot about what? that. Uh, Hillary Clinton's hero? Huh? Now this. You want to keep your family and your property safe? Get a home security system from Simply Safe. With Simply Safe, you can get the best protection. It's like having a personal bodyguard in front of your home, stopping anybody who's gonna come in and harm your family. I would also recommend that you get a gun. Good handgun is is important. Good shotgun is important. Sure, you want an AR, but you want to really stop somebody, you get a hand cannon or a shotgun. I like the mm-hmm. hand cannon right there, right next to me. Anyway, Simply Safe is completely wireless and you own the system. It's got glass break, entry and motion sensors. Monthly monitoring is $14.99 a month. No long-term contract. Protect your home the smart way. Visit simplysafebeck.com. 
simplysafebeck.com. You go there now, you get free shipping on your order, free keychain remote. It's worth $25. Uh, go to simplysafebeck.com. Simplysafebeck.com. The fusion of entertainment, entertainment. and enlightenment. And the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Hello. Hello, America. Welcome to the program. So glad that you have uh, tuned in today. I uh, found this in the vault today. I'm going to do a, a vault episode uh, uh, today. And um, just found this one because we're just putting it away. Um, this is the Wall Street Journal from September 12, 2001. Mm. Um, and it says, terrorists destroy World Trade Center, hit Pentagon in raid with hijacker jets. Death toll, sources of devastating attacks remain unclear. U.S. vows retaliation as attentions focus on bin Laden. Hour of horror forever alters Americans' lives. Attacks will force people to make adjustments in small and large ways. An hour of terror changed everything yesterday. Far from the World Trade Center and the Pentagon, Florida shut down its state's universities. San Francisco closed its schools, as well as Transamerica Building and pedestrian access to the Golden Gate Bridge. Major League Baseball games were canceled. The popular needle-like stratosphere tower in the north end of Las Vegas was closed. So was the Paris Casino's mock Eiffel Tower. University of Virginia psychologist canceled his lecture on student threats and violence inside of schools so his audience uh, of principals could go back to their schools and deal with the violence outside. I mean, we didn't know what was going on. You just thought America was the safest country in the world, said Jesse Strauss, a 13-year-old eighth grader. His mother added, our world as we know isn't going to return to normal for a long time. That is what I thought that it wasn't going to return to normal for a long time. Never did I think it would never return to normal again. But we have not returned to normal yet, nor are we even anywhere close to the path of returning to normal. That day um, forever altered our path and altered our path of our constitution our military, our dealing with each other, absolutely everything. I picked this up today and I looked at it and brought it in because it really wasn't, it wasn't the day that changed us. It wasn't September 11th that changed us. It was this, September 12th, that changed us. It was the beginning of putting your feet in one direction or another. And not realizing we got to look at the long-term game. What we do today matters 15 years down the road. Glenn Beck. Mercury.
I've been ranting about these uh, cafe standards. They're fuel efficiency standards for your cars. And I gave you a stat the other day uh, that fuel efficiency standards for your cars kill up to 2,000 people a year. That's from the National Academy of Sciences. Um, and people are like, oh, that, that, that sounds crazy. Listen to this. This is a st- from a study from the Brookings Institution and, and Harvard School of Public Health. To the best of my knowledge, these findings have never been disputed in the peer-reviewed scientific literature. These are not questionable things. They make these cars lighter. People get in more accidents. We're talking 200,000 injuries a year additional because of these standards. And who's fighting for them? The Obama administration right now. Who's fighting against them? FreedomWorksForMe.com. FreedomWorksForMe.com are the people that watch the other hand. When you're thinking about the election, they're watching what Obama is doing. You got to help FreedomWorks to do this, though. Go to FreedomWorksForMe.com right now and pledge to help them fight the federal regulatory state today. Go there and do it right now. FreedomWorksForMe.com. FreedomWorksForMe.com. The American Constitution is the longest-running constitution in the world for a reason. It was brilliantly written. Um, And we're now seeing, dare I say, here in the end of the constitutional era, how brilliant it was because it has escape hatches and it has ejection seats and all kinds of things. This is the real reason why the Second Amendment was put into the Constitution was not for anything other than towards the end when you start to have a government um, become a a tyrant uh, uh, to the people that's when you would need the second amendment not for hunting I hope we never get to that point because there's other hatches and escape pods and emergency stop cords all throughout and one of them is the convention of states it's Article 5 in the Constitution. This last weekend in Williamsburg, they had a, uh, a test run, a trial run of this kind of constitutional convention uh, invoking Article 5. They passed some bills. Now, again, this was just a trial run. How did it all work? We go over it beginning right now. of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Around the same time we were doing our our constitutional convention, there was a revolution fomenting overseas. And uh, King Louis uh, was either stupid or just so detached um, that he didn't really see what was coming. And he called everybody together, all the uh, lords and the ladies and everybody else, and said, okay, come on, everybody, let's get together and let's, let's open up and let's, let's look at how we can do things better. Well, it started to go awry and started to go the way he didn't like it. And instead of uh, quashing it or, um, or getting deeper into it and say, okay, now let's see and really work it out, he just instead decided the next day just to lock the doors. And so all the people showed up and the doors were locked. And um, that was just 
you know, oh well, it's over. But they didn't like that. The people who were attending the convention didn't like that at all. So they just said, we're going to meet on the tennis court. And they took what was called the tennis court oath. And this is how we get left and right and everything else. That thing spiraled out of control and went into the French Revolution. There is hopefully no way that anything like that happens at the Convention of States. And that's why what happened this weekend was so important because there's a lot of concerns that you start opening up the Constitution and maybe things can spiral out of control. Again, our founders were brilliant and they knew there are safeguards. We'll put them in here. So it's a very controlled um, situation. Mark Meckler is uh, with us from the Convention of States. You were in Williamsburg. What was it like to do a, the possibility of a real convention, constitutional um, uh, uh, hood up in Williamsburg? It was like sitting and watching history. I mean, it was really extraordinary, Glenn. You had delegates from our commissioners from all 50 states, Literally 137 commissioners flew in from all over the country, most of them sitting legislators, some retired state legislators, some just citizen delegates from the states. But the majority were citizen or were state legislators. And man, I'll tell you, the first day when they entered that room, the placards up for every state, a huge American flag, 12 by 24 behind the dais. And when uh, the Georgia, the interim president from Georgia, uh, Representative Brockway gaveled that thing to order, it was incredible, the electricity in the room. You guys wear powdered wigs just for fun. <laughs> you know, they had them there in Williamsburg if we had wanted them, but everybody seemed to opt out. Yeah. It was a little warm. Weird. Okay, so let's go over this. Convention of, Convention of States, Article 5 of the Constitution. Has it ever been invoked before? Never been used. In and it has never been used because it is really kind of a last resort, break glass in case of an emergency kind of thing. Well, and also the bar is very high. It's difficult to call a convention. It takes 34 states passing essentially identical resolutions to get to the point where you can actually have a convention. Two-thirds of states have to do it. That's a high bar to get to, to get two-thirds of states to agree on anything. Why do you think this will happen this time? Because the American people are united. And I know that sounds outrageous based on the current election we're having and the way things are going, but here's what they're united around, Glenn. 72% of Americans say that the federal government is too big and does too much. It doesn't matter whether you're a Democrat or Republican, what your ideology is. You're sick of the federal government in your business, in your face. That's just true for most Americans, and it's been true and growing for a long time. 52% of Americans today say that the federal government has actually lost its legitimacy. It's not a legitimate representative of the American people anymore. 52%. 52%. That is, by the way, a higher number by far than supported the American Revolution back in revolutionary times. And so what it means is that Americans are not looking to Washington, D.C. anymore. They're looking away from Washington, D.C. They're ready to take their power back, and Article 5 is the mechanism that the founders gave us to do that. How many states do you have on board so far? So eight states have now passed the resolution. 38 states will be taking it up come January of 2017. So there's a... I well, need 30. You need 34. 34 is to call so we need 26, 26 more. more. Yes, sir. So what do you say, Mark, to the people who say, well, what about a runaway convention? What do you... How do you safeguard against that? Make sure it's Everybody's afraid they're going to open up the Second court. Amendment and right. change that and take that away and all of that. How, how, do, you, how do you respond to that? Sure. Well, let me, let me start at the backside, which is the ultimate safeguard the founders put in. It takes 38 states or three-quarters of states to ratify anything that comes out of convention. That's a super high bar, right? Super, yeah. super majority. So 
When you flip the math on its head, what it means is that it takes only 13 states to stop anything that those of us sitting here wouldn't like. So I want you to think about that. One of the things I hear all the time from people who are against this, and it is a small minority, but a vocal minority of people against this, they They say, we're going to lose our Second Amendment. They're going to take away our guns in this convention. So I want you to imagine this. 13 states can stop anything that comes out of convention. That means, in our case, the 13 most conservative states. So here's what you have to believe if you believe in this runaway stuff. You have to believe Texas, Georgia, Alabama, Tennessee, the Carolinas, Florida, Nebraska, the Dakotas, they're going to vote to take away your guns. You have to believe that. I've been in 40 states in the last two years, most of them in the state legislature. They're not going to. Those people are not going to vote for anything that would limit your liberty. So the, the threshold is so high, it is impossible to pass anything so, that would limit so your So there liberty. are two really high thresholds. 30, uh, 34 states need to say, yes, we'll go. And then, then they hash whatever it is out. Then it goes back, and 38 states have to say, yes, we're going to do that. That's correct, meaning Holy it takes a cow. massive majority of public opinion to get something out of convention and then to the states, and then ratified. And remember, the way ratification works is important. I spent a lot of time in state legislatures. The thing that they are very best at is doing nothing. Yeah. <laughs> They're experts at nothing. And so in order to not ratify an amendment, what they need to do is nothing. No committee hearings. They don't have to vote it down. They don't ever even have to talk about it. If they don't take it up, they don't join the ratification. So getting something ratified is an exceptionally high bar. Yeah, ask the Wouldn't equal that- rights people about that. The ERA amendment, which never passed. Okay, so that's t- there's two things in that that gives me great safeguards, but that also makes me say, "Oh crap, they're not going to do any of this." Right? Why would they do anything that would help us as far as you know increasing our liberty when only 13 liberal states can block it? I, I, I had a I had a I, I read a great line today uh, from somebody, and, and I don't agree with this at all, but they were like. If voting really did something, the government would have banned it. (laughs) I think they would like to ban Article 5. And they've been trying with this leftist propaganda for a long time to turn the right against itself and to stop us from using it. But to answer your question, here's why. Because the only things that are going to come out of convention are things that have majority, supermajority support. And let me give you some examples. For over 30 years, the balanced budget amendment in one form or another has polled at about 80% with the American public. So when's the last time the federal government cared about a balanced budget amendment, right? They don't. Mm -hmm. But the American public, by massive numbers, wants it. And the American public, by massive numbers, wants term limits. Whatever you think of term limits, about 80% of Americans say Congress should be subject to term limits. We tried in the late 70s. What happened is we got to 23 states, passed term limits on their congressional delegations. The Supreme Court had the audacity to tell us we can't do it. But we can through Article 5. So these are the kind of things that are going to come through the process. Common sense reforms that the vast majority of Americans agree with and believe in. So what happened at the conventions? Call to order. What happened? I mean, the first thing, and and to me the most extraordinary thing, you know, I've been working on this for a long time. So to get to this moment where the conventions actually gaveled to order was extraordinary for me and my staff. And, you know, it's been humbling. Incredibly humbling. I mean, it gives me chills just to think about it right now. The most amazing thing, Glenn, if, you know, if you've ever sent a kid off to college, that's kind of what it felt like. Like we got to this moment, the gavel falls, and then we really had nothing to do with it anymore. It was in the hands of the commissioners. And the delegation from Georgia served as the interim chair because they were the first state to pass this. And they immediately began the voting for the officers at the convention. Ten names went into nomination. 
It was taken very seriously. It went through three rounds of voting until we got to the majority. And then the representative from Utah, Representative Ken Ivory, was seated as the first president in history of an Article 5 convention. Really overwhelmingly emotional to watch that take place. Now, this doesn't count. So this is this was mock. So when you say he's the first one seated for an Article 5 convention, I mean, is that a historic moment? I mean, really? I mean, I, think I know it, re- it is, yeah. but... Well, it, it is because count, nobody's it? ever even done, done this. a simulation ever in America. In fact, they said it couldn't be done. Three you years were ago, doing- we were told it was crazy and it couldn't be done. And you were, and you were doing the simulation just to see, okay, how does this thing work? So when we get to the real one, this isn't like some mock, hey, we're making a documentary. This is, this is a trial run to work out the bugs and see where the pitfalls are. Okay, as a business guy, you understand proof of concept as well as anybody, right? So you come up with your idea, you work on it, you develop it. And at some point, you got to put it on the table and see if it works. What did you learn? We learned a lot. I learned, I think the hardest thing, I had a delegate come up to me and say this. She said, you know, everybody worries about a runaway convention. We're going to be lucky if we can crawl. You get 150 representatives from all 50 states in a room and get them to agree. Is this the word and or does a comma go there? That's a big deal. It's going to be slow. It was incredibly deliberative, much more deliberative than I expected. Many delegates came up to me and said this. You know, I keep having to remind myself this is not the real thing. That's how serious they were. These folks understood that they were dealing with the Constitution, our founding charter, the most important thing that they will ever do as a state legislator. And they took it that seriously. I was really heartened by that. Um, um, what you don't have, I would assume, what you didn't have is any kind of, um, I mean, I hate to sound uh, conspiratorial, but any kind of Soros influence. When, when this becomes real, you know you will have outside pressure that do not want this to happen um, and money funneled and campaigns and everything else. You had a group of generally like-minded people together? I would say generally. I mean, we certainly we had some Democrats. We had some right. independents. Our co-sponsor in Ohio is a Democrat from the inner city in Ohio, in Ohio there. So there was a mix, but... It was, I, but it was, so it was generally what you would have, what you're expecting to have. I think, no, to be fair, what you're pointing out is true, which is at the real convention, you'll have what I would call the hard radical left. Yes. And I think they will be doing more than what you described, not just trying to upset the process, but they will, they will be attempting to hijack the process. Yes. They're not engaged right now because they don't like Article 5. Okay, so when that happens, did you learn anything on how to stop that? Yeah, we did, because we actually ran according to a set of convention rules drafted by the leading expert in the country on Article 5, Rob Nadelson. It ran according to those rules. What we saw is everything's orderly, everything's smooth. And, you know, when people are out of order, somebody raises a point of order and they're stopped. So the idea that somebody is going to be allowed to raise their hand and say, for example, bring up the Second Amendment, it just couldn't happen. Because you're going to have, remember, 31 states right now, both houses controlled by Republicans. Somebody's going to raise their hand and say, point of order, that's not within our mandate. Let me take a break here and I want you to answer this question when we come back. None of, none of the um, representatives for the original constitution were going in to draw up a new constitution. All of them were going in to fix the Articles of Confederation. And that didn't happen. 
So I want you to tell me the difference between those two when we come back. First, let me tell you, some David Stockman said he was director of Office of Management Budget under Reagan. He said, there was one brief moment that made it all worthwhile. That was when Donald Trump peeled the bark back off of the Fed's phony recovery narrative and warned of the stupendous stock market bubble that it has created, that it will come crashing down the minute it stops pegging rates to zero bound. Donald Trump is going to look, and you know how I feel about Donald Trump, he's going to look like a genius. He's not going to like it because if he wins, he'll be the president and it's going to happen. He'll look like a genius to everybody if it happens under her watch. But it is going to happen because we're talking about math at this point. Do your homework. Please do your homework. I don't know what happens next. I know that the banking laws have changed. I know that the banks have added things like bail-ins, which basically, if they go under, they can take some of your savings and some of your money and bail the bank out because they know that the governments aren't going to do it. So they're just going to do it themselves. Take it directly from you if you have deposits there. Trying to get your money out of a bank if we have a banking crisis is going to be a problem. I don't know what's going to happen, but I will tell you, I don't put money in just one thing. You've got to spread it out because you don't know what's going to last. Traditionally speaking, what has always lasted was gold. 10% of whatever you do have in savings in gold or silver is not foolish. Please read the information. Do your own homework. Read history. Find out what happened in the Weimar Republic. Find out what happened in Zimbabwe. Because it's going to happen here at some point if we stay on this reckless path. Call 866-465-3546, 866-465-3546, or go to goldline.com. That's 1-866-GOLDLINE or goldline.com. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. Okay, so back with uh, Mark Meckler from the Convention of States, and you can go to conventionofstates.com. We were just talking off the air. Um, in speaking to Mark over the, the last few, um, I believe this is the last best hope for America. I believe this is the future. Um, you're going to save it. It's going to be saved this way. And I just told him off the air, and I want people to hear it. I am 100% in, uh, and you tell me how we can help, and I I am there um, because I really believe in this and really believe if we're going to save the republic, it has to be done constitutionally. The founders gave us this. I don't know if they saw, you know, what we saw on Sunday night coming our way, but they saw something like, you know, that, uh, and, uh, and we need to, we need to, band together, all of us, left and right, to get this done. Um, Tell me why this doesn't turn into France and the tennis court or the Articles of Confederation. Sure, let's go to 1787, because that's a place where most of the runaway folks go. Um, In 1787, we hear the story that these incredible men that, that gathered in Philadelphia went to amend the Articles of Confederation. They exceeded their authority. 
convention essentially ran away and we got the new constitution. Mm-hmm. That's obviously divinely inspired and an incredible blessing, but they were out of bounds is what we hear over and over. And if you had said that 10 years ago, all history would have said you were correct. Today, new research has been done. And you can read these on our website. You go pull the commissions, the actual pieces of paper that these delegates or these commissioners went to Philadelphia with and read what their authority is. And I tell you, I'll quote from those commissions because all of them have virtually identical language. The language was this, that the commissioner is granted all authority necessary to render the federal constitution adequate for the exigencies of the union. Period. Stop. End. No limitation on their authority. So where does it come from, this idea that it was a runaway convention? Well, some didn't want to do it. Some didn't want to do it. They were making a case, basically. I know New York was making a case for Bork. And New York is one of two delegations that did not have that authority. There were two delegations that did not. So the question is, but where does this widespread idea from the runaway come from? And like most bad ideas, it comes from Congress. (laughs) Because here's what's happened. The majority of states had already designated their commissioners, already given them their commissions, already given them the authority. And Congress issued what was essentially an advisory opinion and does what congressmen do and said, hey, the states are doing something. We ought to to go along. It looks like they're going to do this without us no matter what. And they issued this proclamation for a convention. Important to note, in the articles... No authority to call a convention. In the articles, no authority to propose amendments, period. Congress had no authority. So they issue this proclamation, and they say to amend the Articles of Confederation. But if you read the full proclamation, it also contains the language and take any and all actions necessary to rent. So those men, it's outrageous. I just want you to think about this. Hang on, we got, I got to take a break. You can finish that, and then what they actually did in Williamsburg this weekend. To the Glenn Beck program. Mercury. Program. All right. So Mark Meckler is here. He's talking about Convention of States, conventionofstates.com. This is Article 5 of the Constitution. This is a way to get the, uh, the Congress to start listening to the people. And it's going to be very narrow. Um, it is, um, it's controlled. It is, um, you can't just go in and, and hijack the thing. Um, because, as you were saying, the founders even and the Articles of Confederation, when they called the Constitutional Convention together, they they had the authority to do it except for two states. Um, everybody else had the authority to to do what they did. Um, um, what first? Let's start with where did you? Um, what did you do this weekend? What actually passed this weekend in this mock convention? So. Uh it's important to remember what can be discussed in the first place, what the limitations are. So there are three subject matter areas. The first is uh, imposing any kind of fiscal restraints on the federal government. So that would include things like a balanced budget amendment or imposing generally accepted counting principles on the federal government yes. instead of unicorn and rainbow accounting right, like right, they use. Right. 
outrageous things like that. Second is anything that would impose scope and jurisdictional limits on the federal government. In other words, reimposing enumerated powers on the federal government, stuffing the, con- the beast back in the constitutional box. And the third area is imposing term limits. And, and that can include, by the way, which I'm in favor of, term limits on the Supreme Court and the whole federal judiciary. So, uh, and, and, and any of the apparatus, State Department? can Absolutely. You, okay, go ahead. Any, anybody in the federal government can be termed okay. according to this. So what happened was we got into Maine Convention, elected the officers, and then they broke out into committees, three committees of roughly equal size, roughly 50 people per committee, representative from each state on each committee. And they brought amendments with them that they had crafted back in their home states. We also had grassroots activists from all over the country propose amendments. We had over a 1,000 proposals came in. So those were sorted and grouped together and provided to the commissioners in advance. And so they had something to start from, much like it would be in a real convention, because these commissioners are going to come with recommendations from their own state. People, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, for example, in Texas, Governor Abbott has proposed the Texas plan. And he has nine amendments he's proposed. Texas is going to bring its own plan when there's an actual convention. So uh, if, if Abbott is doing, I'm ready to sign on. Well, it's some great amendments. And he yeah. stepped up and he's really become a leader in this movement nationally. He wrote a book about it. He's doing a great job. By the way, your lieutenant governor here in Texas signed on as well. Fantastic guy. So, lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick about a week ago oh, said, it's, Dan Patrick, yeah. said it's a legislative priority. I think you're thinking Ken Paxton, yes, maybe a good friend of ours, great, guy, supportive guy. Yeah. So all the leaders are signing on here in the great state of Texas mm-hmm. for obvious reasons. So what came out of it were six amendments. So, but the process is really important to me, Glenn, because what happened was each committee had the ability to propose three because we were limited by time. So we limited them to three each. What I thought was so great is that they didn't each propose three. They were so serious that one of the committees could only get to two. And so two proposed three, one proposes two. We ended up with eight on the floor. They go to full debate. And the committee start presenting their reports. And one of them, out of the eight, got tabled. They just couldn't come to agreement. So here we are. We're doing a mock convention. It's not even the real deal. They're so serious about it, they won't vote for something that they don't absolutely believe in. They weren't willing to just put something out there. One of them gets tabled. One gets voted down outright. I mean, to me, that was the proudest part. Not what they did, but what they didn't do. The idea of a runaway. These guys wouldn't let it run away. And it wasn't even real. Mm. And so we got things like we got a term limits amendment out. Frankly, I didn't really love the term limits amendment. It was 12 years in the House and 12 years in the Senate for a total of 24 years. To me, I mean. Oh, jeez. Yeah, let's really crack down. Exactly. So, but remember, you're dealing with a bunch of state legislators. They don't necessarily yeah. love term limits. Would you go with 12 years in the House or 12 years in the Senate? I, I would prefer something like yeah. that. But I actually think... I take that. I take it on this, this point. At least you get rid of you know, the McCain's. Absolutely. And, uh, the long time, the Robert Oh, my Burns. gosh. When, you, when, you, when, you're, when you're rolling somebody in on an iron lung to vote, it's time to go. 12 and 12. I, I could deal with that. It's only two terms in the Senate. Right. I mean, two I, terms you know, in the Senate, and, and it's, it's six, six terms, terms in, the in the House. But, I mean... That's not, that's not ridiculous. But no. what was so great about it was the debate. And you can actually watch this online. The entire uncensored debate oh, is online. where is it? Like it's at conventionofstates.com. Right there on the front, you can look at the COS simulation. You can watch it as much or as little as you want. Watch your state delegations debate. It's incredible. So they're so serious. And they're arguing what's the right amount of time. They're arguing about the power of the bureaucracy if you have shorter term limits and how the lobbyists and the bureaucrats become stronger and the representation is less. The debate was nothing less than watching great statesmen and women from all over America debate the most important issues of our time. To me, the process more than the result was extraordinary. So you think the two things that would really be um, on the agenda is, is the term limits 
and uh, and what was the other one? I think term limits and balanced budget are term easy. Term limits and balanced budget. Those are easy. I think another one that's easy is, uh, which wasn't really discussed in this convention, was a single subject amendment. We're tired of 2,000-page omnibus bills. Yes. 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 So what, I think that's really important. That's 95% with the American people. Really it's important. easy to get it done. The other thing that should be done is make them go back to their districts and stay there. I'm told that what we, I, I call that the virtual Congress. We have the technology. They should. Yes. Be and it's home. better for security. Yes. Absolutely. It's better for it's better for lobbying. You don't, you don't. They're not all in one place, like you know, shooting fish in a barrel. Right. The lobbyists are going to spend a lot of money traveling. It's it really tough to for district. lobbyists to. to Absolutely. Uh, well, and forgive me for saying so, but you know, if you're an environmentalist, it's a much lower carbon footprint to keep people yes. at home in their yes. own districts, right? So it plays. Be able to sell that to leftists. You know, another thing yeah. that came out of it that I thought was great was something they called the abrogation amendment, allowing three fifths of states to vote to overrule any decision of the Supreme Court or any rule, regulation, or authority coming out of Congress or the executive. So an executive wow. order that we don't like, three-fifths of states vote, it's gone. It's off the table. So I they, love that. Return the power to the people. Love that. Wow, is that great. And that's one of my favorite. That one passed? That one passed. Wow. It came out. Here's another one that passed that I thought was pretty extraordinary. I think maybe more limited chance in an actual convention, the repeal of the 16th Amendment passed out of convention. Mm. Extraordinary. There was a huge wow. debate around what to do after the repeal of the 16th Amendment. The fair tax was suggested and debated really strongly on the floor, a long debate. And eventually they struck the fair tax and they said, look, we're just going to say we've got to get rid of the federal income tax. You know, we'll figure it out legislatively what to replace it with. But the federal income tax went in the convention. Holy cow. Well, wait, wait, so this is an interesting thing, because let's just say this were to happen, because the 16th Amendment is, 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 is directly from hell. Um, as we know, mm-hmm. so but south, it, south so from southern hell. <laughs> uh, so it comes out, and there's so now there's no income tax. Right. It, what if you can't pass something else to replace it? We have nothing to fund the government. Wouldn't that be an argument f- against this process? Well, first of all, you, you it leaves here, and then it, then the debate really starts. Hopefully, this will be you know watched by everybody. As it's going on. But if they can't um, but pass it, the fair tax or whatever would be replaced. Right, it. but you would have enough time between the convention and the states approving it. Yeah. And then the government responding to what the states just approved that you'd be having that conversation. Well, and this is what's important. So politicians are not generally known as brave souls, right? We don't really see much leadership out of politicians. They no. move when they're forced to move. And so if we want our politicians to make tough decisions, we have to put them in a situation where they are required to make tough decisions, which is what this particular situation, the repeal of the 16th. Would certainly do that. That's what What reminded me too, real quick, Glenn. Do you think there's a possibility is if you got to the point where there actually the convention was going on and these these proposals were on the table like, hey, we need to, uh, you know, we're going to get rid of the 16th Amendment. Is it potentially possible that Congress acts on their own to offset that? So they say, well, wait a minute. Well, maybe we should cut taxes. Maybe we'll do term limits here instead of that to try to, to, try to stop you guys uh, and maybe do some of the work for you. Possible? I fully expect, not that it's possible, I expect that will happen. And we're prepared for that. We're preparing our grassroots and we're preparing the state legislators. Our attitude going into this, into this process is too late for Congress and, and frankly, what we say is we don't need no stinking Congress. Right? <laughs> yeah. Because if they start to propose these and play those games, our people know those games are coming, and we will simply ignore them. We're not interested in what they have to propose. Once the process starts, 
they're out of the loop. They chose to be locked out by not taking action. Our people know the games are coming. The state legislators know the games are coming. And so our intent is to ignore them because they will come up with a balanced budget amendment that has so many loopholes in it that it's meaningless. And then they'll tell us, look, we already did it. We got Does it. that win over states 35, 36, 37, 38 that are barely within the process and not hardcore dedicated? And I mean, we saw this with uh, what was the guy, Stupak, with the um, with the abortion funding in, in Obamacare. Uh, you know, he he was, oh, I will never vote for Obamacare or, or, you know, funding for abortion. And then, you know, the president was like, well, what if I write it down on this post-it note in the Oval Office? And he's like, oh, OK, now I'm going to vote for it. These guys get the, the, the ones that are winnable. By the way, how's that working out for him? You know, it worked out really well. Worked yeah. out really well. Uh, you know, but I mean, those guys will be won over by some of the stuff, won't they? Well, here's the issue. What we're talking about is not a theoretical exercise. What we're talking about is the greatest act of political muscularity in American history. And I don't say that out of ego. I'm not doing it. And it's not done yet, to be clear. It's up to the Lord whether it will actually get done. But remember, when 34 states pass, it means that millions and millions and millions of people want this to happen. Politicians not being brave souls are very good at jumping in front of a parade. And we already see this in states where we gain more and more support as politicians start saying, you know, this convention idea I've always been in favor. I was talking about this back in high school. It's incredible, right? <laughs> and this is literally what I expect to happen. As we move towards 30, 31, 32 states, you're going to see politicians who've been against it all along are now in favor, and they're going to champion it. It's starting to have electoral consequences for folks. We don't engage in direct electoral activity, but we have 1.45 million activists. We literally now have activists in every single state legislative district in the United States of America. That's never been done before in any project in American history, as far as I'm aware. So what these people are doing is they are putting just bald political muscle pressure on their representatives. Look, my goal is way beyond convention of states. The goal is to restore self-governance to America. Amen. The goal is to answer this question, who decides? That's the question facing America. It's not, what should we do? So, so let me ask you this, because one of the biggest who decides thing is the Commerce Clause. Did they do anything on the Commerce Clause? They did. They redefined the Commerce Clause and took it largely back to what it was intended to be as a very limited, enumerated power. You're gonna, I know you're a Commerce Clause guy. You're going to love it. You can go to the website and look at the exact language. They did an extraordinary job drafting Commerce Clause limitations. Just that changes everything. EPA, everything. Department of Education, Department of Energy, Commerce. Everything changes. Just any one of these. I mean, term limits yeah. does that, I think. Yeah. Uh, balanced budget probably does that. So, 16th Amendment definitely okay, does so, um, uh, Yeah, I've got about a minute here. Um, if people want to get involved, they just go to the conventionofstates.com? Go to conventionofstates.com, sign the petition. That'll link you with your district. You'll get connected with your district captain. You can volunteer at any level. Do very simple things like just sign the petition or get involved and start organizing your neighbors and your friends. We've got all kinds of training tools. We are training the most sophisticated, active grassroots army in America. We are going to answer the question, who decides, with we decide. And you can go to conventionofstates.com. That's how folks get involved. I am in 100%. Thank you. You let us know how we can help you. Um, please get involved. Convention of States. Can you tell me quickly what states um, have it what states are close in? I, I would say some of the most important states, I would say the most important state in the fight right now, Texas. We haven't decided yet? You have not. And mm-hmm. we, we got close in the last session. We made it through the House. We got stopped by a couple of senators in the Senate last session. 
Of course, we didn't have Governor Abbott on board or the lieutenant governor on board. So it's going to be different. Also, last session, we had 21,000 activists in Texas. Now we have 97,000 activists in Texas. So the army is on the field and we intend to steamroll through the Texas legislature this year. That's my number one target because as Texas goes, so go many of the states. in the Oh, region. big time. Okay, good. Please get involved. Texas, join me by uh, signing today. Conventionofstates.com. Conventionofstates.com. Thank you so much. You. We'll talk to you again early and often, I hope. Let me um, uh, tell you about our sponsor uh, this half hour. We're so grateful for them. Uh, providing the uh, opportunity for us to meet with you every day. It's realestateagentsitrust.com. When you need to sell your house, you need a real estate agent that is competent, that has a plan, has a good track record, is honest, is going to tell you um, what the truth is about your house and not going to give you pie-in-the-sky stuff. Selling my house in Connecticut was a nightmare uh, just a nightmare. And the plan, the real estate plan was um, this Saturday, let's blow up some balloons and have another open house. Oh, that, that's a great, seriously, that was, mm, thank you for that. Um, you want a real estate agent that you can trust, an agent who will tell you the truth, even if it's news you don't want to hear, and then do what it takes to get your home sold for the most money and at the best price possible. It's working. Houses that have been sitting on the market for months are now selling. People are finally able to take the big burden off their shoulders. Get moving now. You need a real estate agent? Get a real estate agent. I trust. Dot com. Go there now. Realestateagentsitrust.com, where our individually selected agents will work to earn your business every single day and sell your house. Realestateagentsitrust.com. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. I tell you, I got a new slogan. Never Trump, never Hillary, never mind. They just said that a minute ago. I love that. Never Trump, never Hillary, never mind. Don't need it. Don't need it. We weren't supposed to have a king. Why are we fighting for a king? The people need to take care of this. And the people, I'm telling you, you get this done, Washington will be shook to its core. Yep. To its core. And you have a chance of really saving the republic. I'm, I am all in. I mean, I, seriously, you get one of those things done. I mean, we would, I, I would be this dedicated to something like this if it was just for one amendment uh, out of that grouping that we just talked about. Did you hear what they passed? Yeah. yeah. Those things, if those things passed, you would fundamentally strip Washington of so much of its power. You would just strip it of its power. Would be amazing. You wouldn't have to be the. You wouldn't have to worry about the presidential campaign because no. they wouldn't have. They the wouldn't have to spend really... a billion dollars on yeah. advertising. And they're already thinking about my favorite thing, and that's the virtual Congress. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, doing it from their districts, yes. which I love it. Gotta it's have them sense. next to their people, common so sense. the people can control them. Common sense. Yep, I love it. Conventionofstates.com. Conventionofstates.com. This is. The Glenn Beck Program.
Mercury.